Well, good morning. It's good to see you all. Welcome those who are here, those who are joining online. I appreciate the reminder we had from Terry as he's talked about our mission statement here at Bethany, because we want to be reminding ourselves that as followers of Jesus and as a congregation, we want to always remember to be intentional about inviting people to come to know God, not just to know about God, but to know Him personally, to come to faith through Him and to begin a relationship with Him that changes their lives, that literally saves their lives as they come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so we've been in a season in these five weeks um, as we walk together, journey together through an initiative that we call BLESS. We've been walking through this acronym of BLESS, and the first week we saw that the B stands for Begin With Prayer. Because if we're going to be intentional about having lives that invite people to Jesus, that include regular rhythms and practices of, of everyday evangelism, we want to begin with prayer. If we want to point people to God, we ourselves need to be connected to God. We know that everything good we have, every good gift comes from God, and so we come to God in prayer asking Him for what we need, asking Him for opportunities to share the good news about Jesus Christ, asking Him to allow us to be a blessing even as He has blessed us. We begin with prayer because we want to listen to the voice of God as he, as he guides us and leads us in our lives. And we saw that the L stands for listen, not just any listening, but careful, compassionate, active, responsive listening, listening as an act of love. And we learned last week from the example of Philip that as we seek to be better listeners, we need to be kind of tuning into two channels listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit guiding us in our lives, and listening to the people around us whom God guides us to spend time with, seeing how God is already at work and active in their lives. Now, this week we move to the letter E, which stands for eat together. So it's a pretty fun week. (laughs) And so as you think about coming and learning more, being motivated and equipped in this area of personal evangelism about sharing the good news about Jesus, maybe you didn't expect that you would be encouraged to share a good meal with somebody, to eat together. But if we think about it, we know that times shared around a table are some of the most deeply personal and memorable times in our lives. They're times of fellowship, times of mutual enjoyment, times that we find sustenance and pleasure, not only in the shared food, but in one another's company. We know that we often remember the friends, the setting, the moments of meals shared together long after the menu is long forgotten. And if we look at the Gospels, we see that Jesus shows up again and again sharing a meal with people. We see him having a meal with his disciples. We see him inviting other people to share a meal with him and with them. In fact, we see that Jesus was actually so keen on doing life and sharing life in this way with people that among some, he actually developed a reputation. People began to call him a glutton, a drunkard. It seemed like that he was always eating and drinking with people. Who was this person? Now, we know that Jesus never sinned, and so we know that those who tried to hang those accusations on him were really twisting his actions as a way to oppose him. But we see that Jesus certainly welcomed 
many around a table and a shared meal. One of these eating stories shows up in the beginning of Luke 19, where we read that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, it's been said that 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 last verse of that passage can be thought of as actually the key verse, the theme verse of the whole gospel of Luke. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. It's in Luke's gospels that we find most of Jesus' parables and stories about lost things. We read about the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son, and how God desires for lost things, and especially people, to be found. And here in this story, we find that Jesus that day found a man who was lost. He was lost and caught up in this pattern of of cheating people, cheating his, his fellow countrymen out of an apparent love for money. And in this story, we, we encounter a short man called Zacchaeus. We're told that he was stature-challenged. We're also told that he was a chief tax collector and was very wealthy. Now, as Luke's original readers or hearers of this story uh, would have encountered that that, uh, account, they would have considered that that was a redundant description to be told that he was a chief tax collector and wealthy. They would have said, well, duh, of course he was wealthy, because that whole system that the Romans imposed on the Jewish nation was set up to line the pockets of greedy people like Zacchaeus people who were actually willing to, to kind of sell themselves out even against their fellow Jews to earn some money in the Roman government system. The Roman government demanded levies from the people, but the way they set up the system is that after what was exacted from the people as a tribute, those who collected the taxes could then basically extort whatever extra they could get out of those paying the taxes. And we're told Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, kind of higher up in the extortion pyramid. He would have been the boss of somebody like Matthew, also called Levi, who was among the disciples of Jesus. And so Zacchaeus, at least financially, had a lot of advantages. But physical height was not among them. And so when Jesus came to town, Zacchaeus said, okay, if I'm going to see this guy, I need a plan. And the plan that he hatched was to run ahead of the procession that Jesus was leading and to scramble up a sycamore fig tree. We don't know what motivated Zacchaeus that day. 
There's no backstory. We don't know what he had heard. We don't know what he had come to believe. We just know that he was on a mission to see Jesus. It wouldn't have been dignified for him to scramble up that tree, but he didn't seem to care. He wanted to see, and he ended up being seen by Jesus. Now, even if he had just seen Jesus, uh, Zacchaeus probably would have chalked this day up as a highlight of his life. He would have remembered that day when he got a glimpse of this famous rabbi coming through town. It might be like any of us who years later would recount a celebrity sighting that we had had. But for Zacchaeus, this wasn't just a highlight day. This was actually a pivot day. This was a day when his entire life was transformed. Because not only did he see Jesus, he was seen by Jesus, and Jesus actually called out to him. Because Jesus didn't just see Zacchaeus the way that other people saw him. They didn't see him as that, that scumbag traitor. Jesus was able to see through the layers of, of greed and bad choices in Zacchaeus' life. He was able to see this man who was lost. He saw the promise in Zacchaeus, as a child of the promise, a member of the Jewish nation, he knew that there was so much in store for this man up in the tree. Jesus looked at him and saw the possibility of a transformed life and a transformed future. And so Jesus called to him by name, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so we're told Zacchaeus came down at once. And as the story unfolds, it's clear that Zacchaeus not only wanted to see Jesus, but deep inside, he actually wanted to turn his life around. Maybe when he woke up that morning, he, that morning, he wouldn't have even thought of that. But something in what he saw and heard about Jesus gave him this desire, stirred and kindled this desire for him to have his life transformed by God. And so when Jesus called him down and said, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming over, Zacchaeus didn't hesitate. He climbed down and welcomed Jesus into his home. I want you to imagine for a moment how you would feel if you found out on short notice that Jesus was coming over to your house. How would you feel? I mean, would you feel excited? Would you be glad? Would you feel honored? Would you feel nervous? Maybe a little embarrassed. Maybe you're glad that unlike Zacchaeus, you had your cell phone so you could call somebody and say, hey, you better tidy up. How would you feel? How would we feel if we knew that Jesus was coming over? Well, we read that Zacchaeus welcomed him with joy. Zacchaeus didn't seem concerned about his reputation as a tree climber, didn't seem to worry too much about having this controversial rabbi come over to his house. Didn't even seem concerned about what this might mean for Jesus' reputation. We see other gospel stories where people say, oh no, Jesus, like, I, I'm not worthy to have you come, or, or don't bother to come under my roof. But here Zacchaeus seems quick to, to roll out the red carpet that he clearly would have been able to afford. And here we see Zacchaeus demonstrating that he's open to the, the kind of reverse hospitality that Jesus is offering that day. Now, if we think about hospitality, we might think of being willing to open up what we have to receive guests, open up our homes. 
We think of setting the table and serving a meal. We think of of getting a roaring fire going in the fireplace. And those are all elements of, of hospitality, especially in much of American culture today. But in Jesus' time and place, and in the Middle East today, and in some parts of American culture today, it can be just, an act, just as much an act of hospitality for us to actually invite ourselves over to someone else's home, to do them the honor of being willing to host us, to be willing to go on their turf and allow them to, to serve and host us the way they would choose to do. And so in the time of Jesus, this really wasn't bossy or presumptuous of Jesus to say, I'm coming over. He was actually showing honor to Zacchaeus. Now we're told that there were some that day who didn't see anything honorable in this situation at all. We're told that the Pharisees didn't like the optics of this visit. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner, they muttered. But Jesus didn't flinch, and neither did Zacchaeus. That day, Zacchaeus extended a welcome to Jesus and then found himself welcomed into the kingdom of God by the Messiah himself. We see that that day represented a collision of two purposes. Zacchaeus' deep desire to see Jesus and Jesus' deep desire to seek and to save the lost. And the result was life transformation. Zacchaeus heard these muttering judgments of the people around him, heard that they were calling him a sinner. And what's really interesting is he didn't deny it. He didn't defend himself. He didn't deny that he was a sinner. Instead, instead of dodging these attacks, Zacchaeus actually did what John the Baptist earlier had told the people to do when they came to him to be baptized. If we go back to Luke chapter 3, we read that John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. And so the people, especially the Pharisees who were confronting Zacchaeus that day, would have claimed Abraham as their father, would have relied on their lineage their acts of righteousness as kind of their ticket into the kingdom of God. But it's Zacchaeus whom Jesus calls a son of Abraham. It's interesting to see, too, in that story in Luke 3, the tax collectors came out to John the Baptist to be baptized, and they asked what they should do in keeping with repentance in order to enter the kingdom of God. And John answered them, don't collect any more than you are required to. And on this day with Jesus, Zacchaeus demonstrated the fruit of his own genuine repentance. He said, look, Lord, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times what I took inappropriately. Now, whether Zacchaeus knew it or not, he was actually going over and above what the law of the Old Testament would have required him to do. Because if you look at the law that God gave the people through Moses, we see that if someone defrauded someone out of money, they needed to pay back double the amount. And here Zacchaeus says, you know what, I'll, I'll see that and double it. I'll pay back four times the amount. And here it becomes clear that Zacchaeus was indeed a very wealthy man. He was in a position to 
give half his possessions to the poor, to pay back four times the amount he had cheated out of everyone and still apparently have enough to live on. And we see, too, that he must have been a very meticulous record keeper because in order for him to make good on his offer to come clean and, and to do the right thing, he would have had to have careful records out of careful records on exactly how much he had cheated whom out of how much. Zacchaeus that day could have given all his money to the poor as an act of repentance, but then his neighbors still would have been out of the money he had cheated them. Or he could have simply paid back what he owed them according to the letter of the law, paid back double, which no doubt would have left most of his neighbors feeling like justice had been served. They would have been glad to be compensated. But that day, as Zacchaeus' life was transformed by the welcome of Jesus and the grace of God, the poor received a generous windfall, and the ripped-off citizens received way more than they expected to get back. And people got to see and be blessed by this transformed lives in front of them, transformed life in front of them. If you look at where this story falls in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke 19, you see that it actually follows on the heels of an account, a different account, a contrasting account in Luke 18. In Luke 18, we saw that a rich young ruler, rich young man comes up to Jesus and says, Rabbi, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And after a brief conversation, we're told that Jesus looked at this man and loved him. Jesus knew what was in the heart of him and what he needed to do to be right with God. And Jesus said, go and sell all your possessions, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And we're told that the young man went away sadly because he was very rich. He just couldn't do it. But here in contrast, Zacchaeus gets a glimpse of the joyful life that Jesus is presenting to him he says, I'm all in. And he takes that step. And that made all the difference. And we see that it all started with an invitation to a meal. Jesus had a deep-hearted desire for Zacchaeus to come to a completely different place in his life. And the first step in the plan of Jesus was to say, let's eat. Let's hang out. Let's get together. I'm coming over. Jesus knew that that shared meal would allow him both proximity to Zacchaeus and some unrushed time. In that culture, meals could go on for hours. So Jesus knew that by inviting himself over, they would have a chance to get to know each other. And even in our culture where meals might be more rushed, we still see them as a time to catch our breath, to catch up with people to go beyond the small talk and to actually talk about life, to share life. Sharing a meal literally means sharing the stuff of life with people. And so it's really not a stretch for us to think as as having a meal with someone, eating together with someone, as an opportunity to also share the love of God with someone. Now, of course, in this story, we know that Zacchaeus got to know Jesus because he literally got to know Jesus. He sat down with him face to face and had that conversation. But perhaps as we share a meal with someone, God may use that as an opportunity for them to get to know Jesus through us, 
to experience the love of God in some way through us, to hear about the goodness of God through us as we listen to them without judgment, as we share with them a bit of what God is doing in our own lives, as we make it clear that what's important to them is important to us and that we wish for them God's very best. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house today. It was non-negotiable. It had to happen. Somehow Jesus knew that his inviting himself over was going to be the key to a transformed life for Zacchaeus. And Jesus knows exactly what we need as well. We can trust him. He knows what will enable us to turn the corner in our lives, to move away from self-centeredness, to focus on others, to be a genuine blessing to them people who will demonstrate the love and kindness and goodness and grace of God to others. Jesus knows what will leave us never the same. He knows what will transform our lives. And God welcomes us to a life-changing encounter with him, but also a life-changing journey as we continue to meet Jesus and pursue him. If you go on to read the Gospel of Luke, you see that Zacchaeus uh, basically vanishes from the pages of Scripture. We don't hear from him again. But our journey with Jesus continues. Our story with Jesus continues. It's not yet finished. And so thanks be to God for the opportunities he gives us to continue to walk with him and to continue to bless those around us whom God brings us into proximity with. May we can continue to follow Jesus together, to bless others in his name, Maybe even offer some dinner invitations. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you call us by name. Like Zacchaeus, may we hear you and may we come scrambling toward you, ready to welcome you, to learn from you, to offer transformed lives to you, and to allow you to continue to change us from the inside out. Help us, Lord, to be like Zacchaeus. And Jesus, help us to be like you as well, to be one who welcomes people, to make ourselves available to them, to honor them when others look down on them or ignore them. Lord, nurture in us generous hearts that offer and receive hospitality. And we ask that you would give us opportunities, even this week, to share a meal and to share your love with someone to whom you long to show salvation. Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen.